This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Imagine if you could shop the shelves of all your local liquor stores at the same time. Well, spoiler alert, you can with Drizzly, the number one alcohol delivery app. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly is giving all new customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code SAVE5 at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. Welcome to the Football Grad Podcast. I'm your host, Manuel Weff. And as always, I'm joined by Andrew. Uh, faith has it unified once again. Same place, same city. <laughs> second time in Moscow. First time we met up in Sochi. Second time in Moscow. I know you finally got a real bat. You're welcome. <laughs> you can explain why. Uh, Andrew Flint, everyone. Well, yeah, much as I'm very, very attached to the front seat of my car, quite literally, um, it's uh, the appeal wears off very quickly when you actually have a bed to lie down in. So I appreciate the bed. Thank you very much, man. <laughs> yeah, getting back to normality is going to be strange. This has been such a roller coaster in every sense. But yeah, here we are in Moscow. Which, uh, it's not a bad setting for a podcast, is it? No, the setting is incredible. And we'll get to the setting after I introduce a very special guest, very good friend of mine, first time ever on a Football Guard podcast. Actually, unbelievable, considering how long we've known each other. Uri Levi from Baba Gol. Uri, how are you doing? Hey, Manu, it's a big, 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 big pleasure being here tonight with you and Andrew. Uh, yeah, man, we know for a lot of years. And first time on your podcast, it's a, I don't know, nothing but respect. And I'm, I can't wait to just sum up exactly like Andrew said, a crazy month of football and experience in Russia uh, with a look about what happened and uh, also a brief look for the future. I'm excited. Yeah. <laughs> it's been exciting. It's, yeah. um, I said, I think, on one of the videos that I have uh, on my Twitter feed, it's sad the tournament is almost over. Yeah. yeah. At the same time, you're almost relieved. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm looking at both of your faces. <laughs> I see uh, rings underneath your eyes, or I see a haircut out of control of Andrew. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure I don't look much better. So we were pretty much at the end. I had one of my uh, journalist friends fall asleep on a table while holding a beer yesterday. And we're all done. We're literally done at the end. And it's nice because tomorrow we actually have a day off because there is a game, but come on, no one really cares that much about it. We'll get into detail that 
But boys, look at the setting. I mean, you might hear it in the background. We're in Gorky Park. We're at the Moskva Embankment. We're right across from the Ministry of Defense, which is a huge building built during the Amazing time of the one. huge, yeah, uh, during the time of the Soviet Union. It's a, a massive building. Then to our left, we have the Qatar Pavilion, uh, or one of the two Qatar Pavilions that are placed on this embankment. It's a look on, go on the football ground, Instagram, uh, check out the picture that I posted. It's unbelievable. Andrew and I, we went in there yesterday and, before I get Yuri's thoughts on Qatar, you are a Middle East guy. I, I want to have lots of questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to talk about the impressions that we get. Qatar is the next place where the World Cup's going to. A long four years from now, how are we going to cope, guys? How are less, we going to do? Less than four years, basically, because today... Ah, more. more. Four and a half years. Ah, uh, yes. Oh, no, because don't say that. That makes it worse. Yeah, it makes it worse. <laughs> but it will be... Today, it was officially announced that they... Yeah, but it, it was news. It was not No, it news. wasn't a no news. But it, today, it was official, you know. Yeah. I didn't tweet about it, but it, when I saw it, I said, okay, the train, the train is officially yeah. on its way to the destination, despite <laughs> what uh, a lot of people thought about this World Cup, and I believe we'll get to it in a second. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, the pavilion is amazing. Basically, you know, these guys know what they do. They have tons of money. They do know what they do, because yeah. we went in this, Andrew. I, I'll let you explain. I, I, I'm still overwhelmed. It is, uh, it is, it is absolutely fantastic. I mean, any any host that is preparing to put on their World Cup, of course, they're going to put on a show. They're going to be extravagant, and we know that there's a lot of money in Qatar, so they've put a huge amount into the display. But they've made a really good effort, actually, to to have a mixture of just a very brief sample of what a Qatari souk will be like, you know, the, the tents will, will be there, but they had a lot of information as well. We looked at the models of the stadium, and we even spoke to a couple of guys who are working on the construction out there, which I was really, really delighted that we, we came across them, because that's been one of the, well, I won't go into the, the controversial details at this point, but the fact is that the stadiums are very, very uniquely designed. Um, our, I think our favourite was the one that is designed like tents um, on the roof. You know, the, anyway, so we went in there and we, we, we found out a lot more about Qatar than we had previously understood. And that is, it links into the preparation of this World Cup for me. A lot of people just didn't know much about Russia. They, they picked up their information from selected feeds that they just absorbed without questioning. And I, I want people to approach Qatar in the same way. Um, partly because I feel a bit personal about the Russia World Cup and how people received it. But after going in there, I, I don't know, like most people, I assumed that the visa situation would be maybe quite tricky and perhaps it would be very expensive. But actually it turns out that, you know, a lot of airlines fly out there. Visas are much more simple than you'd think. But then it, it hit home here. I mean, especially for me, what I've been doing, driving around every city, I've driven 14,000 kilometers. And in Qatar, we found out it's an hour and a half from one end of the country to the other. Here, it probably takes longer. It takes longer to get from one side of the city to the other. So that is going to be a massive, massive advantage. I mean, Manny, you talked about how exhausted we are. This is going to be a, a major, major plus, isn't it? I, th I think it's going to be fantastic. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I think that there's a lot to be said. I mean, the pavillon, the information that was given to us, 
It was it was really fascinating. Um, I, I I really liked. I mean, we had questions. And we had lots of questions, and I think one of the things that I found fascinating, of course, is how are they going to deal in terms of getting people from A to B? Um, because we saw at this World Cup, and it's one of the features that I really loved about this, was that um, of course they had like they had all the free transport, right? And that's that's something that we appreciated a lot because obviously Russia is a very big country. And getting from point A to B is very difficult. And I mean, uh, you drove through most of this country. How many kilometers have you driven now? Uh, 13,750 kilometers in total. And more to come. <laughs> in the four weeks of driving. Yeah, yeah that's, that basically sums it up. So the Russian government provided us with free trains. And there was free transport within the cities. Moscow was a big place. Moscow is probably the size of Qatar. If you really think about it, you know, bigger journey time it, I, I mean that was the, what struck me when he said an hour and a half from one end of the country to the other I yeah. thought an hour and a half I wouldn't be confident of getting across Moscow itself exactly Moscow is bigger than Qatar no no doubt about it Qatar is minor island island on the in the Gulf um, a minor island with a major Outcomes, yeah, and uh, political outcomes, and uh, economical outcomes, and, uh, geop- and uh, important outcomes in matters of uh, geopolitics and uh, and culture in the Middle East. Um, but basically, it's going to be a very weird World Cup because it's basically taking place in one city, yeah, in 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 matters of size. And I don't think that you know how many people came in and out Russia in the past month. Two and a half million. Two and a half million people. I, I, I literally don't know how they're going to shop in this amount of people. We actually got questions asked about that okay. and we got answers. All right. So they're going to put up 10 cities, hotel 10 cities, yep. which they have already. Yep. And cruise ships. They're going to have cruise ships all along, as you said, it's a peninsula, right? Right. Uh, so they're going to have cruise ships all along the peninsula for... Yeah. Because they said, and I mean, that sustainability is a big one for them, a very big one. So a lot of the, some of the stadiums that they're going to be deconstructed and sold to Africa, which is actually, I think, a good premise. And we we have to talk about some of the negatives too. We'll go get to the negatives in a moment. Um, but that is a great idea. And they were saying, look, we don't need infrastructure for two million visitors. Listen to that, guys. Yeah, we're in the park. This is Gorky Park for you. <laughs> it's. Uh, I mean, we're, we're nearly midnight and it doesn't feel like we're anything yeah. different to the middle of the afternoon. People around doing all sorts of things. They should be focusing on the football, though, man. Yeah, we'll, we'll go back to the football. Anyways, <laughs> cruise ships, sustainability. Uh, I think that's a good idea. I mean, Ori, you, you know the region better than I do. Uh, how sustainable is, is it really going to be? Uh, well, I, uh, I must say that in the Gulf, and uh, I include all the Gulf countries uh, within this sentence, Oman and Bahrain and Qatar and Saudi and Iran and maybe except Iraq. Um, all of the countries have a very sustainable and reliable, um, I would call it a water transportation yeah okay they can they move things for hundreds and hundreds of years along this gulf uh, this gulf is in the center of a huge political uh, um, not discussion but argument mm. about his identity whether it's called the Iranian the Persian gulf yeah. this is how the Iranians call it 
or it's called the Arab Gulf, the Arabian Gulf. So basically, if you ask people in, in, the, in the Emirates what the name of the Gulf is, they will tell you the Arabian Gulf, the same in Saudi. Um, the Qataris will answer you, the Qataris will answer you, some of them will say the Persian Gulf, some will say the Arabian Gulf, and the, the, Persia, and the Persians, the Iranians, of course, will tell you it's the Persian Gulf, and it's, it's, this, this thing is really significant in the football of the region, because you know what is the name of the Iranian uh, league? Persian Gulf League. You know what is the name of the UAE Football Premier League? The Arabian Gulf League. And this discussion goes way back to the beginning of the 20th century. It, uh, it lay down for a few decades in the end of the 20th century and came back in storm uh, with the first uh, crises in the Gulf that we've seen since the since the 90s basically and the beginning of the 2000s and that basically the UAE changed the name of the leagues to the Arabian Gulf League in 2012 uh, and as a reaction before this event uh, the Iran Iranian league was providing the leagues the rich leagues of Saudi of uh, of the Emirates of Qatar with a lot of players a lot of very talented Persian Iranian players and as the first reaction after the the league's name change was to cut off all the business relations regarding football. If you remember, a very talented player also played in Europe, Javad Nekunam, was a very notable member of the Grand Iran national team of 2006. Played also in the World Cup in Germany. Played in Osasuna in Spain. Uh, he was supposed to sign for I think Al Arabi in uh, in the Emirates, and uh, the the Iranian FA simply cut off this transfer and another 14 transfers on the same day after the change of the name and if we want something more relevant we can take the last golf crisis from the last summer uh, which also kicked off in style with a lot of things related to football uh, if it was uh, the Qatari national team who went to play a World Cup qualification an official FIFA World Cup qualification when the players are going up for a warm up with uh, t-shirts white t-shirts with the Portrait of Ibn Tamim Asani, the 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 ruler of Qatar, uh, in a very symbolic and similar way to the Che Guevara mm. T-shirts. You know, like is some kind of a revolutionary or something like this. And, and well, it's very interesting. You know, it's go with Qatar. It's a, um, I think it's a it will be people will be uh, overwhelmed yeah. with how good in manners of football tournament the World Cup in 2002 can be but the uh, people will be overwhelmed if uh, we can sit here for like now four hours and I can tell you a lot of things about football and politics and bad things and good things and horrible things and okay things about this country uh, which is uh, you know is a controversial pla place in a global manner not only in a regional manner we are speaking about uh, a place that is a country that invests money uh, to, to sometimes change people's perceptions uh, about things, which is not bad because I'm not saying it's only bad because everybody's doing it. This is the world. Russia, Russia did it. Exactly. So, so they will do it. And, you know, I think that is, it, it is harder to the neutral football fan or the neutral 
person to understand it because Qatar is really different. It's not even Russia. And I would say something also a little bit controversial. It's not white people. Uh, which is also playing part here in the discussion uh, but again technically professionally I, I don't have a doubt about this World Cup I had doubts and um, we've talked about my doubts yeah, yeah, yeah. and I still have some doubts but a lot of them have been blown away by the presentation I think organizational wise I think there's no doubt that they will put up one of the best World Cups the world has ever seen. I think a lot of people sort of sort of put up their nose and say, well, look, how can a small country like that host a tournament? Listen, I just spent the World Cup in one of the largest countries, the largest country in the world. And when it comes to the spread of stadiums, one of the largest in the world, because I think the United States was even further spread out. And there's a World Cup, by the way, I think it's going to be a disaster. But we get to that eventually. Uh, we, 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 we will talk about that eventually. Yeah, but I think Qatar, as a journalist, I can't wait to cover that tournament. Because essentially, we will have... Yes, this is Gorky Park. We got the Russian rappers, live performance. But that's, again, we can basically, as journalists, we can cover every single game during the tournament. Every single game. That's what's not possible here. I mean, it's the thing is, man, I actually think it makes a lot of sense. I don't know why people are complaining about the size of the country. That is actually a major positive, I think. <laughs> because for fans, okay, the, the, the heat as we know is is an issue and that's why they moved it to the winter but i don't see i don't see a major problem um with the temperatures are going to be around 25 degrees the clubs are going to complain though clubs will complain but honestly i i actually think that just from a logistical point of view it makes a hell of a lot of sense fans will get around easily journalists will get around easily there won't be exhausting travel times i mean the, the players look at us you know, <laughs> how many how many flights have you you taken in the past month? I, I I will tell you my number. It's I think I lost here three three kilograms. I'm not a, I'm not <laughs> a fat guy. I but have I, not been on the scale, but I haven't seen a gym in a month. Uh, so I've not, lost a lot of weight. Of gym. I think I think I really I lost here weight, especially due to the flights because in the first yeah. two weeks, man, I've been to 15 flights, including the connection. See, I have 15 flights. I did the man. trains instead, which is, like, of course, not any less train. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's like sometimes you're not in a hotel room, you're in a train. Yeah, yeah. You will be spending a night in a train. Sochi was 24 hours in a train. And that was, all of that is great experiences, but I mean. I hope you took the, the first class, I hope. No. No? You took the third one? With no, no. The sh- with the legs? Se- second. So I took from Not Blatzkart. From St. Petersburg to Moscow in order to make it to the second semi-final. You took Platzkart. I took Platzkart and yes. I slept. Not Pl- the, the third. The That's Platzkart. Yes. Okay. So basically, I woke up with a foot of someone in front of my face <laughs> in less than 50 centimeters uh, distance. Uri, don't complain. I've done the Trans-Siberian on Platzkart. Wow. Yeah. Wow. 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 Yeah. What, is it, what is, I must ask you because here Andrew is living in Russia and he knows a little bit more than me and you of course familiar with Russia for a lot of years now and you can also explain to me 
why why people are getting naked on the black card like that? Oh, <laughs> I I have been okay. I Uri, I've, I've explained to you already. Off topic, but we're, we're gonna let it stand. <laughs> look, this is look. Let's just highlight this for the fact that it won't be something we'll have to deal with in Qatar. No, I live uh, in, I live in Tumen. It's only three hundred kilometers from Ekaterinburg. It's a five-hour train journey. The first time I went to Ekaterinburg was in Platzkart, and it was a sleeper train. There was. Oh my word! I am scarred by the memory of this. There was a an old babushka, grandmother on the third level of beds. Yes. She um she didn't wear anything on the lower half of her yeah. body, yeah. and she was getting off the bunk. It's quite disgusting. Yeah. It is. It's it's a um, it's a close personal relationship. You don't get anywhere else, should we say? Uh, I I okay. I want to I want to say, wanna say something. Add, you can add the, the the homemade food in in three in the morning chicken that smells like fish and with tomatoes that centers for uh, and eggs of all description man something <laughs> okay so when <laughs> i when I'm i went sorry. when i, I went to, Russia, yes, but, but <laughs> when i went down to sochi i said russian life takes place on a train and if you have not been on a night train i'm glad you've done it yeah. because you've not experienced the country unless you've done it it's such an important part of the fabric of this nation this country is enormous and for a lot of people this is literally the way to get from parent A to B. And I'm not talking a sleeper train from Moscow to St. Petersburg because that's nothing. I'm talking the 72-hour journey from Irkutsk to Moscow. I'm talking the six-and-a-half-day journey from Vladivostok to Moscow. People live on trains to get to from point A to B. And I'm really glad that mo- that they did the free trains. And that's that's a very, the free trains in many ways were kind of like a toned-down, harmless, tourist-friendly way of doing it. Because you've done the Blatzkart, and I salute you that you have, because you've actually seen the real I missed, deal. I missed all, I missed all, the, all the, the free trains for, for FIFA, and I had to go to both semifinals because I'm a football man- maniac, basically. <laughs> and I want also to meet Andrew, and also to meet uh, to see England and Croatia so yes and I'm happy too you know I'm, I think that you know this is one of I, I had so many lessons in the past month yeah uh, and I'm so happy that I had each one of them even the hardest ones you know situation that I was completely wet by the rain and needed to record something and send it and the internet was shit but you discover a lot of important things about the country and you know connected into our discussion it will happen in Qatar too yeah and of course there will be other challenges and you know one of the things that our region is probably at the top excellence in the world is uh, hospitality which is hard to beat considering the hospitality here yeah man you you understand and here, here people Really went out of their minds and made yeah. a huge effort and to make it a, to make it a, a sympathetic a stay. But you know, in Middle East, it includes everything, and you know, you, it's important that you too you come to me for a, for a short one about the rules, what it means when a person suggests you three times, two times, one time. You know, because everybody will suggest you everything, and it will be. But basically, I, I count on the, in manners of the people, and this is the big lesson of the Russia World Cup. I think for the whole world, you know, you ne- you shouldn't uh, generalize people yeah. and cultures. And you should taste their food. You should listen to the music, and not by a, a, a certain a diplomatic view or a political agenda. 
uh, to judge a whole nation. So the same in Qatar, of course. Uh, that is actually really important because you let's talk about the critical things because there were there were things that went wrong in this tournament. You know, we had we had a stadium constructed by North Korean slave labor in Russia. We had um, the whole situation with Egypt in Chechnya. We we had homosexual. Um, the, the problems of homosexuals in Chechnya are still going on. You know, there's literally camps being set up for them in, in places like Krasny. Um, there is, racism was a big, was not a big topic at this World Cup. Thankfully, you know, Russia handled that very well. Also but there is, hooliganism. hooliganism was also not a big problem. We never doubted that. But what I want to point out is there is things that need to improve. I think this World Cup opened the eyes of many, many people. But when we look towards Qatar, yeah. I think it's very important. And I mean, that's something that I had to get wrap my head around because yeah. for me there was one number that have that has only been in my head: four thousand dead people in construction. Yeah. And I had a very long and good discussion with you about this, and a very good long discussion with Matthew Barrett, who was um, was on our last podcast. And um, that's bad; it's really bad. And we, we, I mean, there is no two ways around it. But we we had the chance, Andrew, to talk to someone who works on the construction sites. Yeah. Randomly ran into him. He was not an official. Um, he was a, a British citizen who works in Qatar. Um, he was here as a fan, and we met him in the pavilion. He just say uh, came up to us, and he, he was really kind to tell us about all the stadium construction because yeah. he was he's doing all the scaffolding on the stadiums. And he said to us, like, yeah, the situation was bad. When they started constructing the, the stadiums, it was really, really bad because the, the, they used their local building construction standard. And then people started dying. And, um, you know, they didn't care too much about people dying because they were just immigrants. You know, um, that's a negative side effect of the society that they're in. But then FIFA came in and clamped down and said, like, look, you, you cannot do this. This is this isn't, and people give FIFA a lot of bad stick about the Qatar World Cup. But the fact is that FIFA actually went in and was like, "Look, you c if you don't improve this, this will end." And he said to me, "What happened is basically right away they put in EU construction standards and UK construction standards, and now his company is getting all the work because before they didn't because they were not using labor from they were not using cheap labor and it's completely changed the entire work environment and he said the big thing is now it's not only changed the work environment at the stadiums but no, it's okay. actually changed the work environment in the whole country the dead 4,000 dead people they're going to remain dead and it's horrible it's absolutely horrible but on the other hand while keeping this in mind at least FIFA going there has changed the way people thought, think about construction I mean this is Again, I don't want to make this any nicer than it is, but you know what I, what I get at, right? I know exactly what you're saying. And like you said, there is no nice way to justify or to say but and while we're speaking about the death of 4,000 people. But I'm glad to see that you understand that you because you were really anti Qatar 2022, rightfully for your reasons, of course, but... You know, it's something... My opinion can, can change, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. I like it. This is what I'm saying. I'm glad to see that you also, you know, to, to change your mind in matters of things in the context because there's... And I spoke about it. We talked about... You mentioned the Matthew Barrett from Goldclick. I spoke a lot about it with him that 
look we uh, we are living in because we are living in the age of information and because people are listening to this podcast hopefully and to another hundred and reads another thousand articles and watch another billions of videos uh, the mindset is changing all the time you get a lot of information and it's really important to absorb good information and also to understand and to accept the fact that there is no black and white and you need to understand that there will be things that you won't like with things things you like and things you agree with and things you don't agree with and the, the world isn't perfect and uh, the media the professional or the conventional media or or people like us for example we we give uh, you you can choose basically what kind of content you you consume yeah. and i think that we all can say in a way that uh, nobody ex- except this kind of number like i don't want to watch a football game you know when with this number in my mind yes but we need to understand that the World Cup is also about giving a chance to a country. It was about giving a chance to South Africa. It was, it was about giving a chance to Brazil, who really back then was a, a country who talked and act as the new coming superpower of yeah. the world. Like this country. Uh, yes. And basically, you know, Russia is... Uh, man, it opened... This World Cup opened the mind for much more people than the number of people who actually visited here. And I think that, look, Qatar, and uh, I can tell you, for example, it's a country that invests a lot in media and about creating a good image and bad image for uh, other countries, Exactly, uh, ex- for example, my country. Yeah. Qatar is uh, sitting in the top of the of the funders of uh, BDS and the anti-Israeli media and which is you know it's their agenda they have the money they want to spend it this way good luck to them you know I believe with my people but this is a, a different uh, but yet you still have an open mind about it of course I of course because I, but I have I have the privilege I have the privilege because where I was born and because of the way I was educated that I, I I can look at Qatar and take the good things and I can look at Qatar and understand there are very bad things about see and that is that is something that we talked so much about in the build up of this World Cup and I feel like almost and this is this is something that we discussed a couple hours ago over over dinner there's almost a risk now that people are looking too much at the positive of this World Cup and sliding a little bit too far away from the negative and Russia has been great this has been a remarkable tournament the Russian people have shown the bright side they, the people are marvelous but at the same time are we now making a mistake by no longer criticizing the government well look I mean here's, here's my thing I, I have very very strong connections to this country and I, I owe it a lot of loyalty because it's given me a family it's given me a life yeah. um, but for me there's, there's one very important thing to, to remember when trying to keep an open mind when absorbing information about a country like Russia or Qatar which to a lot of the world that absorbs football don't know a lot about and this is, this is the thing you need to separate you need to separate the people from well, basically everything else. I mean, you know, the economics, the politics, the leaders, the, the the good and the bad. And I'm not, again, you cannot, you cannot airbrush things like 4,000 deaths out of it. But this is my thing. You've got to look at that. You've got to treat it critically with an open but critical mind. But the people should not suffer from that. 
the people who are not the ones who have caused that, they should not be the ones to suffer it. The, there should be proper, cold analysis, but open-minded analysis of the problems. And what you say about the the possible gloss over in in this World Cup, you know, the the, the sugar-coated view, if you like, that for me is a is a very simple product of the extremely negative view that Russia had before. Not not as an instinctive laziness. I think it was just we do it every oh my World word. Cup. We do it every World Cup. But I mean, I think I think Russia's I think Russia has suffered particularly from a negative image I think, before. I think that Russia Russia suffered. Uh, I agree with Andrew here, and I think that Russia suffered uh, not only during the World Cup, mainly before. Yeah. Since the moment this country got the the won the bid, won or you know everybody has his own version won. to the story, won or paid or bought or they uh, all cheated though, including course. the country that complained the most about not getting it. Let's name let's name who it is. It's England. They yeah. were they they. I feel like a large part of them yeah, being there is negative also, about this tournament is because they lost. Yeah, and 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 basically also you know reports uh, from the investigations of Michel Platini showed that also Germany 2000. Six wasn't yeah, and England so there and their is, bidding didn't exactly. Very clean so it, either. first, right. like we understood yeah. one thing: since the World Cup have left uh, and start to travel the world into countries which are not Western Europe, we are starting to understand what are the prices to have this tournament on. Yeah, and it, the mm-hmm. price is. Uh, Huge uh, empty stadiums after it, and uh, and unemployment in bad conditions in South Africa, uh, dep- deported people, displaced people from the houses in in favor to build fan zones in Brazil, people who disappeared or literally disappeared. Nobody knows if they got a house or they didn't, or they're living in the street or they died. Nobody knows. And in Russia, we just uh, named the, the the things about uh, about uh, also the the corruption, but also the gay rights and the construction with the North Koreans. Actually, not far away, uh, in the apartment I'm staying right here, a building in front of my window. The whole building is North Koreans, you know. Yeah. And, the, and basically, the, the embassy of North Korea is not too far away from Parkul to it. And so, there is a lot to say, and there will be a lot to say, and already there is a lot to say about Qatar. But we start to understand, if you want to bring the message of, of football to new places, which are not, uh, I don't like this expression, but I will use it, not a first world countries, there are prices. We need to acknowledge them, and we need to help these these countries grow with the tournament. We yeah. need, okay, not a, not in a patronizing way. We need to give these countries chances to earn something they didn't have without this tournament. I think I think a very very key point is that awarding the World Cup to these countries is not the cause of these problems. It is highlighting them, yeah. good or bad. I mean, look, I I just even on that very simplistic level, that is almost reason enough to justify it and that sounds awful but I've got to be honest if the World Cup doesn't come to a country where there are problems where construction issues are causing deaths to such an extent would people I mean I, I'm going to be brutal about this would people sit up and take notice no if the World Cup hadn't come to Qatar I mean okay yes the the, the fact that there are a lot of stadiums to be built makes an opportunity for construction yeah. but the point is the quality of construction like we were talking to Adam and Steve yesterday 
Do you love watching live TV but are tired of your huge cable bill? Sling TV has the same top cable channels for as little as half the price, so you can save hundreds of dollars while still watching your favorite sports, news, reality TV, and more. Ditch cable and get Sling's total live streaming solution with free local channels. Setup and installation are included. Make the smart choice and switch to Sling TV. Get the best of cable for the best price. Learn more at sling.com slash cut cable. That's sling.com slash cut cable. Set up an installation included with $49 down and $20 a month for 12 months. Restrictions apply. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. They said the standards were so low. Would the spotlight have been on them? And that's an interesting point because you've met my dad. Um, my father is... I can't forget uh, what he told me. And he's, he's been for a long time in construction and in construction, in, not in Qatar, but in the UAE, UAE yeah. um, which has very much very similar problems. And, um, no, you know... Both, both are societies yeah. who are based on immigrant, uh, yeah. cheap uh, yeah. manpower of yeah. construction workers and an elite, which is... Uh, Small minority of the population yeah. who enjoy all the all the rest of the of the basically the reality there, which also is is an amazing thing to think that this kind of country will be open now. Exactly to two million visitors around the world. If you want to make a change to a country, and this is this is made one thing. And before we talk about this World Cup a bit more, if you really want to make a change and want to write about a country, a go before the World Cup. Check out the place. Do your homework. Look at the goods. Look at the bad. But also go to the tournament. Don't be shy. Go. The people that came to this country will have likely made a change to how they see the country, but also how Russians will perceive them. Because that has been something that we've all noticed, and we've spoken about this on the last podcast. There were 2 million visitors in this country. This is... A monumental event for Russia because this has never, ever, ever happened to this place in the entire history of Russia, the Soviet Union, the Russian, the, the Tsarist Empire. It's never, ever happened before, and this will change perceptions to Eastern Europe. Yeah, this is, this is amazing because when I saw the 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 Croatian joy yeah. of qualifying to the final of the World Cup, suddenly I understood the fact that. The atmosphere was full-on Eastern European fest yeah. of celebrating a, a kind of, a, a, you know, home homework up for for a lot of nations, not only for Russia. It's people who coming from a different perception of, of what. And the South mean. Americans loved it because South Americans traditionally never needed a visa here because the Soviet Union always had a very close relationship with and South also, America, and that's a perception exactly, that a lot of Western countries exactly, don't understand. Exactly, right? exactly. exactly. Uh, it's also not too expensive here with it to to handle yeah. Russia. Maybe the flights and the hotels were a little, uh, a, a, little a, a lot more. Not than that the usually. Peruvians cared; they just slept in the park. Uh, <laughs> exactly, exactly, but but you know it's 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 amazing. It's so shame that we are taking like 
35 Peruvians were here, 35,000 Peruvians, 40,000 Argentinians, 30,000 Colombians, 25,000 Brazilians. Uh, we had 35,000 Moroccans, we had uh, 25,000 Egyptians, and you look and you suddenly understand that basically the people who came here were people who did not consume so much of hate towards Russia yeah. and towards this uh, project uh, of this World Cup that, you know, they simply came for the love of the game and they and the moment the group stage ended and we stayed with more uh, Western European it was said I was in St. Petersburg Manu, I was I literally had tears in my eyes watching semi-final of the World Cup something I, I dreamt about all my life with 2,000 fans 900 Belgian 1,100 French guys and the rest were just tourists people who really literally didn't care about the game Brazilians, Argentinians, Peruvians, Mexicans who bought tickets to all of the tournaments because they are going to Russia and they're going to win it because they love football. But basically, the atmosphere was shit. But shit. it was great in the other semi-final. Okay, exactly. let's talk about the sporting matters. Okay. Uh, we have to talk, Andrew. Let's talk about England first, shall we? Quarter-final gave you so much hope. Sweden. Um... Is it basically a story of a great England? It is a great story. Even you have to agree that Uri, it's coming home was yeah. it was one of the greatest stories of the World Cup. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's World Cup <laughs> stories. Ultimately, though, you played Panama, Tunisia. You Very lost to lost to Belgium. Uh, you beat a Colombia, Thomas less Colombia on penalties. Beat, on penalties. Yes, Sweden, and then you lost to Croatia. How big of a story is is it when you when you look at that? Well, it's an unusual World Cup as an Englishman. I've got to be honest. Um, so on, on the sports, me man. I mean, on the uh, sports World Cup front, was over after the group stage. It's, um, <laughs> I mean, what I mean, what I mean is something different. That it was just the 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 build up to any any major tournament for for England. You you, you need to switch off and not read any newspapers because it's just us a rubbish that spouted out. We're the greatest nation in the world. We're going to dominate. We're going to you know we we deserve this. We have a divine right to get to the final stages. But this was different because finally people realised actually we don't but on the positive That's side we have one of the youngest sides in the World Cup um, Gareth Southgate was a masterstroke and actually I hope the example of how he's connected with the team with the fans with the media and knitted it all together I hope he is an example of what managers can be at a World Cup. I think international management is a totally different beast to, to club management, to state the obvious, but the psychological, the mental aspect of it, the social aspect of it, that Especially is by England. way, way yeah. more important than the tactical preparation. Tactical preparation is important, sure, but... I, I, think, I think this World Cup has brought buckets of pride to England yeah. in times that this country is not on their best, it's not in the, at, at best times, hosting President of the United States, Mr. Donald Trump, without a proper leadership to lay on after the quit of uh, Boris Johnson and all this Brexit issue that doesn't let go of the people and the way they look about people who come from different backgrounds and about the rising xenophobia, which I don't know how much is true or not true. And yes. uh, this is what I'm hearing from the outside. I won't judge anyone, of course, but um, I'm saying like... I think this World Cup 
despite even even with the fact that England will go and play tomorrow the four the, the yeah exactly I think this World Cup is could have a similar impact 1998 had on France for example because we've seen an English team that for the first time in history uh, its backbone was completely based on immigrants and And, uh, and a time when immigrants have a really hard time in, in England because of Brexit exactly. because Brexit, you can exactly. say a lot of things about Brexit but part and it's not all of it but part of Brexit was xenophobia I just I, I'll have to just say this yes. that everybody is focusing on what Brexit has done I actually don't think it's Brexit that's caused it I think it's just simply highlighted what, what yeah. has been there for a long time yeah. I live in I, well, I grew up in Manchester Manchester has a large West Indian community in the south of the city yeah. there's also a very very large Indian community and there's a there's a stretch of Rushing which is a southern district of Manchester called it's been nicknamed Curry Mile Because yeah. it's all Indian restaurants. Like in London. Um, there's a curry mile in London as well. Well, I mean, this is, you know, there's, the, the, these people stick to their own areas. And there is a hell of a lot of tension. There has been tension for decades and decades in my country between different groups. Brexit has simply highlighted yeah. it. But what, I mean, the, the, but again, we, well, what we're coming back to is that whole, for me anyway, is that separation between The, the the people and what is going on around them the the connection between the people and the fans on a football level at the very least um, has been a positive but a respectful one mm. um, and I I've just been I've been delighted for that I mean I'm not trying to say that to say I'm, I'm pretending it doesn't hurt that we lost in the semi-final the first half against Croatia England dominated game a young side with a clear structure with a really inventive formation it suited yeah. the players they just froze up they got tired and they just they just couldn't cope Croatia were a better prepared side but as an English fan it's been it generally has been a, a cracking tournament because I finally feel genuinely hopeful not whipped up further I feel hopeful for the future of English football now so for that it's been brilliant I want to say something about this because I'm going to out myself right here as a big Gareth Southgate fan <laughs> yes. I I get to listen as journalists we get to listen to a lot of press conferences and most of them are crap Yep. Uh, well, 90% of what we listen to is just a waste of time. Yeah. It's a waste of time. And Gareth Southgate sat down, biggest defeat of his career, Abs and you could see it in his face. He was devastated, absolutely devastated. But he sat down and he gave a strong analysis of what went wrong, how are they going to go on, how are they going to make sure, and I quote, we're going to have to consistently hit quarterfinals, semifinals, finals. Otherwise, we're not going to win titles. And that is such a down-to-earth approach. And then the other thing that he said is like, it's like, oh, some journalists ask him, like, well, aren't you immensely proud? And he's like, yeah, well, I'm proud. But if you're in the semifinal, you want to win the entire thing. And that struck me. And he didn't say this in some pompous kind of way. It was down-to-earth. It was measured. It was analytical. While his face was downtrodden and I thought to myself there's a man where the clear idea of how he wanted to play football it didn't work in the second half and it didn't work because this team just simply didn't have the experience and a lot of people will not like to hear this but they didn't have the quality either 
the team was just I, not good I, enough. I, I don't think quality is the issue. No, I think, I, but I think it is. I, I, I really don't. I think it's the preparation and the experience, certainly. But the quality is certainly there. But Andrew, it's you, just the preparation. There was a very good article by Rafa Honigstein. You look at the Germans, you look at the Spanish in Europe. The European qualification and claves. I, I, I want to 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 profound profound a new a new a new definition. The European qualification enclaves a misqualified football. You understand what I'm saying? It's not giving a real image or a real indicator for the capabilities or the conditions of a national football team. It's well, because playing Liechtenstein and Andorra yeah, and then Greece and Uri, Israel. Uri, factors of the of the thirteen of the thirteen teams that have reached the World Cup yeah, final, yeah. ten are European. I agree. I agree. I agree. One hundred percent. The center of football is on this continent. Still, yeah, one hundred percent. And and I I would I would I would even say bigger than that. The gaps went bigger yeah. between Africa and the Middle East and South uh, America and too. South America too, yeah. of course. Uh, we've seen it. Belgium who were outclassed by uh, quite not uh, for my eye, not uh, maybe they will win the World Cup, but for me, France is not a fully prepared team. Uh, fully, yeah. you understand what I'm they saying? They get the job done. They have exactly. the quality in there. Exactly. Use the quality to get exactly. the job done. And instead, uh, Brazil, maybe the most amazing team in this World Cup, Brazil, with the squad that was ah, amazing. Nah, 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 nah. Squad. You, you know my opinion about yeah, Brazil, yeah, and course. I was right. Okay, you were right. <laughs> it's true. But eventually, if you look squad, squad wise, Brazil was amazing squad. Has amazing squad, and Chiche yeah. is an amazing, amazing coach. But still, you need defenders. Belgium. You exactly. need defenders still. Exactly. And so eventually, the gaps are. But one thing, exactly like you said, Germany and and Iceland and teams who qualified from the first from the first spot in their qualification in Europe, man, it says nothing about the World Cup. You know, you understand? Yeah, but you know, the thing is though, if this like, would have uh, Germany, let's take Germany out because I think it was a blip. They they the reason blip? they didn't not go out because they didn't have quality. No, they no, went out because uh, they of other reasons. Yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah. it was some kind of which can happen in a World Cup, and that's I mean, uh, Lager fever is something that's that that befalls a lot. But what I what I wanted to get at, so Rafa Honigstein he wrote an article that um, England only have a talent pool of about thirty to thirty nine percent in the English Premier League, and that's the only league that they can get players from. When you look at Spain, in Spain, the sixty percent of the players in La Liga are Spanish. And that doesn't even include all the players playing abroad. In Germany, it's 56%. Again, this doesn't include all the Germans playing abroad because there's a lot of them. Um, I can keep going, you know. So, of course, and this is, I think, one of the things that have befallen England, there is some extremely big shortcomings. If Harry Kane has an off day, then this team struggles. Pickford is, an, is a ta goalkeeping talent, but he plays for Everton. I don't, think, uh, I, know, don't, I don't think I don't think that's actually relevant that he plays for Everton. I do think there is a huge amount of quality. It's just the the setup that Gareth Southgate's had. He's been in charge for a relatively short time, and he's done. I think I think he's way outperformed what anybody expected him to do. Um, but he still only had a short time to implement it. Now we've got the under twenty world champions. We've got the under seventeen world champions. But they've got to play, Andrew. They have we, to play. Yeah, we got the under 20 world champs. We got the under 17 champions. Some of them, and this is something I'm really pleased to see. 
um, are being bold enough to start. I'm starting to see a slow yeah. trickle going abroad. Germany. I'm not saying I'm not saying you have to go abroad, but I'm saying it's a good thing. It's a healthy thing that they are looking for first team football. Um, the, there is the, basically my point is talent is definitely there. We haven't had a clear definition of the team for a long time, and Southgate's yeah. starting to bring that. Add all that together, and with first-team football, with all that, there's, there's a really positive sign for England in the future. Last so point on England, because I want to talk about yeah, Croatia too. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's going to be a quick one. In relation to what Andrew just said, I think that England for years, and basically I take this perception from a guy named Martin Lipton, okay? Who one of my colleagues, uh, Ornio Sipovic, uh, interviewed him for an article about England, and Lipton said something re really interesting. He said, for years the England team was laying on important players from rival clubs. Frank Lampard, Steven Gerrard, mm. David Beckham, and you know, each one is coming with the load and the cargo of Manchester United, which is a massive club, of Liverpool, which is a massive club, of Chelsea, which is a super rising club in the, in the past two decades. And uh, they couldn't get off and, and, and put aside, the, even though it looked like it, the rivalry of the clubs. And here you see an uh, England, England team who based on Tottenham. On Tottenham players yeah. and Manchester City That's players, uh, that clubs who do not, uh, that even if they are fighting and battling in the league, it's not a rivalry. And you've seen this from the English team, really good that the players and Southgate were connected in you good team spirit, exactly. and that is key to win the World Cup. Yes. Yes. That's yes. why Germany didn't make it on the group stage. Half a point on England. Last one. Few minutes after the game. Uh, no, I think one hour after the game, after I sent my uh, my uh, my uh, sum up, I go down the tunnel in the Luzhniki, and in front of my face I see Alan Shearer and Gary Lineker just staring at each other, wordless, without saying a word. Both of them tears in their eyes. I went to Lineker. I told him, Gary, I'm sorry for you, man. Uh, Alan, I'm sorry for you too. Now, Lineker just looked at me. He didn't say a thing. He just like. They blurred like it's alright man it's alright gave me a hug you know when he went in the elevator I went inside and you know it was something that even though I didn't cheer up for England I didn't want them to succeed I have nothing no emotion to this national team but something big happened to this uh, football nation this summer and we must acknowledge it and respect it yeah let's talk about another football nation yep. that is at the final and this is can't believe I get to say this a second time in a row, Andrew. <laughs> Who said at the podcast, the preview podcast, that, that I think Croatia will go all the way to the final? You said and, it. And who? And who? Who said was going to win it? France. You know, we we. So I, I, uh, I'm starting to think we we have half an idea what we're talking about, man. Yeah, we do. This <laughs> is the bet. I I I said I. You I mean, I had I had to. I wrote. Um, I wrote a team breakdown in Croatia because of football grad we do with the Balkans so I wrote a pre and when I, when I finished it and this was the day that we recorded our preview on Croatia as well I, I looked at the squad and I'm like how are they not going to go to the final I mean I knew the, all the issues of all the individual players because they are a bunch of individuals but I looked at the squad and I'm like there is no way that they will not make the final 
And I said this on the podcast, and I, I got a break from Tim and Andrew, sort of a small break as well. And I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> I've got to get burned for this. And uh, no, no, I, I did. did. <laughs> you're, 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 man, you're absolutely right. This, this squad is absolutely breathtaking. I mean, everybody will focus on Modric, and rightly so, probably, mm. because he has... He's fought his way. Don't forget. If he doesn't win the Ballon d'Or, I, I give up on that. Well, I mean, I mean, in, uh, in, in essence, yes, no. I agree. But I mean, I, I think Ballon d'Or's a waste of space. It's just throw it in the Moscow and I think, give up. I think <laughs> the thing that people should remember about Modric is that, yes, he's at Real Madrid. Yes, he, he was at, uh, Tottenham Hotspur before and he's been at big clubs. He started his career fighting as a skinny, 18 year old in the Bosnian league being told he's far too small he's never going to make it I mean that's even before you go to his family background how he's displaced um, from where he was born and he's fought he's a tough tough man and that is just the star of a team I mean the, the you look at where all of their best players play they don't play in you know middling French teams they play in the top of the top they 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 absolute top of the game and people are surprised and I admit I'm one of them and now I'm thinking how was I surprised how could I be surprised you didn't write the team by team breakdown (laughs) what I understand is so true because people including myself as as you know in Babagol we focused uh, a lot about South America as well as uh, so I said okay this is the last chance of Lionel Messi and this Argentina to, to make a, a, a worldwide football statement. And there, not, not because they are so good, because there is no one else, and I've put all my, my mind on this, on this capabilities of Messi, which basically you say exactly, you can say that exactly the same on, the, on this generation of Croatian football. When you have the, yeah. the, the, the backbone of the midfield of the two best teams in the world, of Barcelona and Real Madrid, are, are, the midfield is now late. On Ivan Rakitic and Luka Modric, and you have even Perisic who had a bad unreal, tournament. Unreal player during the semi-final. But yeah, what a display! A mind-blowing. Ante Rabic was one of the up-and-coming wingers in the world football. I got to see he single-handedly and, destroyed Bayern in the DFB Pokal final. Exactly, and and Mario Mandzukic, which is oh, completely I, different. I just wrote an article on Mandzukic today on Football Grad. I uh, how I, how my in, Bayern sold Mandzukic. And never won a Champions League again. But you understand? And it's, uh, how many fi- uh, I mean, he look. got? He got into two finals. Two finals since then: one with Atletico and one with Juve. So, yeah. and, he, <laughs> and and the crazy thing about Manjukic is people think he's selfish and what, he has a big no, he's ego. Not. And he's the most team player, you know. And, yeah. and you think about Croatia, what they've been through in the first game of the tournament with uh, Kalinic. Yeah. Who yeah. didn't want to come off from and them. And then they sent, but, they sent them home. No, but that, that yeah, I think, is just yet another example of why Croatia have been successful. Yeah. They didn't think twice about sending someone home like that. I I mean, I was just delighted to read that. Not because I've got anything yeah. against Kalinic, but, well, I mean, I actually do for that incident. It's set the tone. But, but that is saying, look, I don't care. You're not going to be part of a winning squad, then you can just... You know, you Fuck can off. get lost. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. I, that, I mean, that that says that speaks volumes. That may actually be the point where they became a team that could win the World Cup, and I think that they're outsiders in the final. Um, it's going to be, at, I think, at the same time, France. And I, I'm with you, Andrew. If they if they go by game plan and everything goes right for them, and they might not, they never win it. But don't ever count out this Croatia side. 
they will go Agreed. stick it to them. They will work hard for the full, and I think it will go for the full 120 minutes again because they will make it happen. And they, when it goes over the full 120 minutes, Mansukic scored that game-winning goal against England on one leg. He was that leg was done. There was no way he was, and they still went for that sprint. And then he he scored. The shot was fired with the leg that was hurting. And he beat Pickford with that shot. I mean, and then after that, he was done. He was finished. They had to take him off the field. But Dulwich in the press conference after the game said, like, none of my players wanted to go off. I had to take off players because they were hurt. That's a remarkable story. It's, it's even more remarkable. And you mentioned Dulwich. And, and people yeah. really don't understand this story of this guy. He came from the desert straight to the You don't believe, you don't believe that a year ago, exactly a year ago, June, 2017, I wrote an article about a talented coach who basically fall between the chairs in El Ain, which is like a mega club in the Emirates and one of the biggest clubs in Asia and in Arab football. Yeah. Uh, that he has major talent in Arabian levels. Okay, Omar Abdul Rahman Amuri, uh, which he used pretty good, and then this whole ego things of of the of of teams and clubs in the golf got onto his head and basically LN fans protest against uh, in front of his house asked the the management to send him back to Croatia and even made a huge uh, flying ticket banner that they used to uh, to do like this and uh, to to shove it up in uh, in in matches and eventually he took the club to the uh, Asian Champions League final and quit it in the summer, he set it home and said, "I don't." And he got great. Uh, he had another offer to come back to Al Hilal, the biggest club in Saudi Arabia, for a lot of money. Eventually, Ramon Diaz took this post. Ramon Diaz uh, of River Plate, legendary Argentinian coach, and Dalic came back to Croatia, Croatia unemployed, with one thought in mind: Croatia is doing bad in the World Cup qualification. The current situation, they weren't qualifying for this World Cup, and the post was free. He just sent his CV, they didn't receive it, he sent it again, they invited him to a meeting, he blows up their minds with their, this crazy, simple, very simple football he provides yeah. with his this Croatian sound. And you know what? The FA, which is a complete mess in Croatian, you know yeah, it better than me, yeah. they, saw, they told him, okay, how much money you want for this simple plan? And he simply asked the least amount of money from all the other candidates. So they took him. <laughs> and there was a huge protest of now Croatian reporters in front of his house and in front of the FA about how come they're putting the, the national team in such a bad situation in the hands of a guy who worked only in the Middle East. So basically, a, a Polish guy actually, Lukasz Gikiewicz, who is, uh, who is married to, to a Croatian girl, told me this story about Dalic and told me, you know, in Europe and especially in the Balkans, people are underestimating football in the Middle East. Man, it's not the same level like Champions League or Premier League or, or whatever, but it's very hard for a European to succeed there because the first one to blame, if you can see the goal, I'm not talking about making a draw with the last team on the table or even losing in the match of the season against your biggest rival. The first one to be blamed is the foreigner in the Middle East. And Dalic coped with this mentality for eight years, so he gave Sorry for the expression. Give no shit about what Croatian journalist thinks about him. And you know, the players love him also because he doesn't have any ego. 
He yeah. comes into a dressing room with Perisic, and he's great. He's great at press conferences, and that's that's that's. Uh, we have to sadly yeah, yeah, wrap sorry, it up sorry. here. We can go forever. We we'll yeah. have to bring you back, Ori. We have to bring you back. <laughs> he can win a World Cup on Sunday, and that's really, really short prediction for the final. Ori, you go first. Croatian penalties. Andrew. I'm going to say France narrowly. I'm going to stick with my pre-match prediction, uh, pre-tournament prediction. But I can't be 100% confident. But I'm going to go for 1-0 France. I said in the preview 2-1 for France in extra time. But I want to add a caveat that I think that's a 50-50. could also go 2-1 the other way. 50-50, uh, uh, of course. 50-50. 50-50 game. Remind, remind our, uh, our listeners why we love this game so much. Why we are sitting at 1 o'clock at night on the Moscow River in front of this beautiful uh, building. Ministry of Defense exactly <laughs> and speaking about football because in one game in 90 minutes or 120 anything can happen Uri yes thanks for coming on where can people find you and what do you do yeah yeah, yeah. so basically everyone you are most welcome to go to www.babagol.net and do, we, do. Uh, yeah, do it and we are on Facebook Twitter and Instagram yeah. Babagol we do everything from the Middle East to South America through Africa and a little bit of East Asia and a lot of the connection between yeah. football and politics and if you like what Manu do, does and yeah. uh, all the football teams so you also will like Baba Gol Baba Gol is amazing Andrew you are almost done driving <laughs> I'm almost done full stop to be honest <laughs> I'm going to take a break from football for all of two days and I'll be straight back into domestic Russian football uh, two days after the final but um, yeah I'll uh, if you want to see what real football is out in Siberia then just have a look at my Twitter I'll put a picture up or two Andrew Midge Flint on Twitter yeah fantastic stuff please do well you can find me at Manuel Vef um, previews are up for the third place and the final Andrew did the third place of course Video content, I did that feature on Mario Mandzukic, I have a feature done for the Howler on Luka Modric, so that should be all out by the time this podcast is out. All of this can be found at Football Grad Live. Happy final, everyone. We'll speak to you after it's all done. And we're packing it in. Das wird dann, yeah. love watching live TV but are tired of your huge cable bill? Sling TV has the same top cable channels for as little as half the price, so you can save hundreds of dollars while still watching your favorite sports, news, reality TV, and more. Ditch cable and get Sling's total live streaming solution with free local channels. Setup and installation are included. Make the smart choice and switch to Sling TV. Get the best of cable for the best price. Learn more at sling.com slash cut cable. That's sling.com slash cut cable. Set up an installation included with $49 down and $20 a month for 12 months. Restrictions apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.